Uh, hi, welcome to a very special episode of the Digital Devil Podcast. Um, since the game decided to stop giving us the story a while ago, and it's not going to give us any more until we get to the end, we are going to take a deep dive into the light novels that started this whole thing off. And we're going to move through the plot to try to fill in the blanks and really write the ship as we head towards the end of this whole first arc of stuff. And we're going to talk about some other manga and shows that we like from the era to kind of paint a better picture of why this is what it is and why we think the things that we think about it. And we're going to dive into some Famitsu articles and some other podcast light journalism on my end to try to get to the bottom of um, how this ended up being what it is. So here it is. Podcasting, podcasting. The rain in Spain falls mainly in the plane. Unique New York. Unique New York. Unique New okay. York. Okay. What? Oh, is it? Uh, Google says it's, you know, you need to come give me that D. <laughs> you know you need unique New York. Like New York from Flavor of Love? Yeah. I love New York. Like, legit, though, I like... Shouts out Tiffany Pollard, if you're listening. I can never remember her real name, but when I hear it, I immediately know. It's, I mean, like, I'm not joking. I legitimately do, like, really love New York. It's, like, one of the few just, like, broken-ass reality TV personalities that I, for some reason, am just, like, <laughs> enthralled by. I want to know how much of it was, like, an act. And how much of it is, like, she really is just, like, just Very fucking. little, man. You think so? I had to, like, I don't know, man, like. The way that she spits on that woman. Oh, God, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Pumpkin just gets in her face. And New York just... I mean, she had it ready. And that's a personality trait. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like if I just went to spit on someone, I can't guarantee you that I'd have it ready to go. <laughs> I don't know, man. What a le what a legendary human being. There's not too many people that can, like, get on Flavor Flav's dating show and then it kind of be like, wait, we have to... I need this woman's story now. Like, <laughs> like forget Flavor Flav. This person's more interesting. <laughs> Which I don't know that... I guess, I guess Flavor Flav in and of himself isn't really interesting. He's just... He's just like fucking gross and weird. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, sure. I, I guess I, I guess you can say he isn't interesting, but at the same time, you have to admit that like everything about that man is interesting. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. He exists in both categories at the same time. It's nutty as shit. I guess that's why the people that got those VH1 shows do have that like because <clears throat> it is like what flavor flavor and like. Brett Michaels. Yeah, yeah. And like Rock Tequila Rock Tequila. Love, 
Did yeah, she? I guess, oh, she did have one. Fuck. Yeah, man. I think she had like two seasons or something because that was her thing. Was she, you know, like she was bisexual. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was that was shot of love. Shot of love. A shot at love. At, was it shot with at love? Okay. Tila tequila. Yes. Well, I thought it was of because like actual shot. Like I think it's tequila. You know, I think it's shot. At You're probably. I just that's why my yeah, brain yeah, yeah, went yeah. there because I figured that was like the pun. But what I know. A shot of love with find out. Akemi Nakajima. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the book episode. <laughs> Fucking God, dude. A true, truly a shot at love. I mean, I read the last 30 pages in the past 24 hours. So um <laughs> Yeah, last night I actually read. I reread and did so I read it over the week and then I reread the whole book last night while taking notes and then I read like skimmed the second book and then I went through all the then I just went down the black hole of Famitsu articles yeah there's just something about reading right now that like it's like super hard for me to focus even more than it usually is because I'm like, well, I, I could be reading school stuff instead of mm. this horse shit. So yeah, that's what I was kind of like. Well, Justin can like read school it was shit, like, and I'll just read the book twice. I like had to like fucking fight to like, and it's it's not even sixty two pages because in this PDF that's like five pages is for the the title and all the covers and blah blah blah. So it's even less than that. It's like insanely short. I wonder, did you, do you know how many pages were in, like, the actual Japanese, like, print edition? Yes, so. Because I'm wondering in, if it's, like, totem, been shortened. Well, the thing, the thing is, it's, um, it's a lot more illustrated. Like, it isn't a, um, it's not a manga, but it is, like, okay, well, there's like a lot the, of illustration. Like, the Vampire Hunter D novels, I'd say, like, every 70 pages or so have, like, a, like, an illustration done. Yeah, and this is like somewhere I think in the between the two because the whole it's very difficult <laughs> to get hard facts. Mm-hmm. I think running theme for I want to say that story. the whole trilogy is 447 <clears throat> pages because that's what the translated um, Amazon Japan page that I have pulled up for the Digital Devil Story Favorite Edition, which includes all three books. So they still is, press that? Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's still pressed. You can just you can still get it. Okay. Well, yeah, but it's been like repressed at least as all three volumes. <clears throat> right. And it's, um, yeah, I think this version's the one that's 400 and something pages. Okay. Because that would track, because the first book, this PDF is like 60-something, and then book two is 100-and-something. Yeah, I just don't... Uh, I wasn't sure if the page count, like, truncated yeah. a bit in the translation, because I don't know... I I mean, I've seen Japanese actual, like, physical books come in a different a couple of different ways, and mm-hmm, the ones that use... Um, I you know I don't know my like weeb knowledge stops short of like the four different forms of written Japanese, but the one that is the vertical yeah. style, like I've, mm-hmm. books like that, seem like they put like there's less per page unless there's per symbol more information to gather. I don't actually I don't I don't know. 
like, I just didn't know if it was like, I didn't know if it, like, it is considered like a full blown novel over there, if it's still like novella territory. Well, yeah, so that's, and I guess that's where we should start is a little background on what it is. Cause it is, it's firmly, well, the term light novel was coined in Japan in 1990, right. and these books are from the mid-80s. I forgot about light novels. Okay. so now, now it all makes sense. They are firmly in the light novel tradition, but they're just not quite of the era like where like you've got Fruits Basket and shit like that popping off everywhere. Right. So these are released as... As light novels. So, like, in terms of Western literature hierarchy, you know, it's it's grocery store romance novel shit. So these aren't... And, you know, like, we're kind of, I think, maybe stepping over <coughs> a line here where it's like, hey, man, these aren't meant for this type of analysis. But I don't give a shit because that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, you know, I'm sure someone would make an argument for... Either side of that. Um, we're yeah, exactly. An argument for one side, obviously. Uh, yeah, sure. And like, I and feel so, like grocery store romance novel is like the best way to put it, but also like not even close enough. Cause like, yeah, like I want some, some of the events that transpire in this light novel are not light. Yeah, I, would, I want to be more reductive than that, but I don't know how. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so like, Smut, I guess, yeah, like the, and that really is, you know, this is coming from a world of, um, well, not world, but the genre of literature that this is coming from is very much a place where authors go to just shove shit out as fast as they can, burn out super quick, get replaced by someone else to pump out more shit. That's more what this is and less of a, you know, Tolkien-esque thing that someone, yeah. like, really yeah. painfully put together over the course of their whole life. I mean... But yeah, this book was released in 86, is when the first one came out. I don't... It's, it's really difficult to tell. I think that it all came out pretty quickly because the game is based on book three, and the game came out in 87. So if the first book mm. came out in 86 and then a game came out in 87 based on the third installment, I got to think it all came out pretty quick. Well, I don't know how much you found in your research, but I guess it's always possible that all, either all three books came out really quickly. Like he'd already written them mm. and they just got published <laughs> in a certain order in a certain time. Or maybe they like approached him and he was like, here, use this one. <laughs> use this, like, unfinished manuscript to work on your game. Right, and I tried, like, well, okay, so we will get to that, okay. but, <laughs> um, like, yeah, I tried to look it up, and it's really difficult. Like, the publishing house, or however they're referred to in Japan, that was responsible for Digital Devil's Story is very, like, yeah, like, they just publish everything. You know what I mean? They just, like, anything that gets submitted to them, it seems like, they just do the whole... This whole thing, the books, the OVA, the game, it's very spaghetti at the wall, top to bottom, just mm. throwing mm -hmm. shit to see what sticks. It's, it's, <laughs> it's foul about a cue, dude, at the wall. It's fucking, yeah, it really is. And, um, <laughs> huh, but yeah, so, um, uh, Nishi, Nishitani, Nishitani Ana. I think, Ano Aya, sorry, Nishitani Aya. So, like, he is 
he was actually like pretty deeply involved in the design and the scenario of the Famicom games. Um, at least that's how it's marketed. And when I went through and read, you know, actual like translated Famitsu interviews and stuff with Cozy, it it seems more like it's set up for him being like, no, I was deeply involved in the design. And then when you kind of read between the lines of what Cozy and a couple other people say, it's more like, this guy was around a lot, annoying the piss out of everybody in the <laughs> studio, and we really wanted him gone. Nice. <laughs> nice, anyways. And we'll um, we'll really dive into that, I think, after we uh, we really discuss the meat of this mm. literary work. Um, <laughs> well, I guess... Uh, yeah. Let's just get into it, gamers. <laughs> I was going to say, like, oh. I guess let's just fucking dive right in. Um, don't forget to hit that, that bell. Because that's my uh, whole preamble. So you so don't it, miss a moment. Yeah. Uh, so it's 447 pages, the total page count of the favorite edition that includes all three books. So the complete The complete digital devil story. The whole, the, the whole digital devil saga as, no, um, that is, that's separate. We can't do that yet. That's really going to make someone yell. I'm going to get an email yeah, The digital devil story expanded universe. <laughs> They're not even going to wait for me to finish the sentence. We're just going to have the whole email typed up already. <laughs> I feel like this, this book has like a really clear line drawn in it between mm-hmm. the just relentless like I, I, and I don't know I don't it's really hard to pull apart I don't it feels like a really heavy self-insert novel yeah or story until it just like drops the the reincarnation part of the story and then it just reads like a <clears throat> generic story well when you say the when it drops the reincarnation oh you mean like when it brings it up well, it implies it pretty early, but yeah, like yeah. there's the moment in the story where it's the, like she awakens more or less and they like escape to they they get out of the computer room. And when she uses her power. Yeah. Yeah. Like and when that happens the and they yeah. they fully suggest that they're reincarnated individuals like that's where it switches gears a little bit and becomes about like how in love they are with each other. I know and I and what's really fucked up is the whole time I was reading it I was yeah, I was very much in that just like man, this is such like this is just really low-hanging fruit to make to like knock on. Like it's just really grotesquely self-insert garbage and then when it when it hits that point and switches over to just being kind of a normal ish that type of thing. Like I liked it less. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it became harder to read. It's a, yeah, it's a train wreck scenario of <laughs> so, the first, I, it's not half. That's not the, the actual cutoff, but that's just the way I'm probably going to refer to it a bunch. The first half is you, you read it or it's at least like it pulls you along a little better because it's such a fucking nightmare. It's so bad. And then it just switches to like, I feel like high school freshmen would be too much of a compliment to say mm-hmm. like the level of like writing that's happening in the second half. Oh yeah. So just I, like I just stole mythology and just made it about 
this dude who made a computer pro- program. And that's so lazy. And I will depth will we'll get it's into not, how lazy and personally insulted that there's yeah. a there's a kernel of a cool idea here, obviously, because it became a pretty successful game franchise. Yeah. But like, man, I just don't know how this book series did it. Yeah, and that is I I, I do hope that that you listener <clears throat> do hold that in that little nugget in your hearts throughout this whole season. Like we do think there's a cool thing here. It's not formed at all. But like, you know what I mean? Like it does, it is probably, there's going to be a lot of parts. It's very like, oh man, these, they really hate this shit. But like, we wouldn't have been able to record 51 hours of raw uh, bullshit if there wasn't a kernel of something good in the middle of all of this. There's I mean, a neat concept, but like it took them a bit to hammer it out in the beginning of it's just unfortunately tragically horseshit because I think my theory explicitly because of the fact that Nishitani Aya is a shithead. And we'll get into that. So can't wait. Can't so wait. So I guess up. let's just fucking like, yeah, I guess let's just dive in. So um it's, you know, typical like it's Tokyo suburbs, like, you know, I think it's like it's difficult. So the opening sentence, which is confusing to me, is this story takes place 18 years ago when most people did not know of the existence of the internet and personal computers were normally thought of as standalone devices. Is that something that the translators put in there in... Yeah, because the timeline adds up. Like, this was translated around 18, 19 years after it would have originally come out because I don't think this guy's literally saying this took place in, like, 1970. <laughs> um... Uh, and I don't know really what to, what to do with it, but it's a confusing bon mot to throw you out know, at the beginning. Do you know when the translation was done? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I think it's 2000, and um, the book came out in 86. Yeah, and but like the, 18 years later is 2004, and I think the translation was like 2005, 2004, 2005. Oh, okay, so, the so it's like older. Um, yeah, and then I think there was an updated one when they... I think we might be reading the updated version that was put up in 2012. Uh, so I think that the level of, like the level of computing, I guess for lack of a better term, Mm. probably (laughs) lines up, it kind of lines up with the 80s. Yeah. But I'm not totally sure because it references like magnetic tape, which was that's that's old that's pretty that's old, old computing yeah. so i don't know if it's actually trying to like because if you if you assume that first sentence was in the original book and it's saying that that took like that part the story was taking place um and the what the 60s i guess like the the tape thing would make sense hmm. um a portable computer fucking no yeah not even not even in the 80s was that a thing i, I don't really think um like personal desktops existed, but as far as something you could literally just like tote around, I, maybe laptops were around and they were just like super chunk. But yeah, just I, those. Yeah, I I don't I it's I don't that's I don't know that stuff too well to know. But um, I like I know that maybe a form of the internet existed back mm-hmm. in the sixties. Um, 
and then as something that could be used by kind of anyone, anyone being like civilian people, you'd still have to have like money, you know, yeah, shit like that. Sure. Like it, you'd be like a business owner or someone like that that would have like internet access. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem extremely relevant. I don't know what school culture mm-hmm. in Japan was like in the 60s to, to know if it would have been any different than the 80s. But it, I, it, it ends up with an 80s vibe in my head. Maybe it's just all the artwork. According to Google, the first ISP like opened its doors January 1983. So I think what we're right, going to go but with... That's, that's for... That's, yeah, for public, public use. That's what I'm saying. Use. Like the government definitely <clears throat> had access to the internet. Yeah, and this is implying that, like that it happened before 83. So I think what we're going to go with is kind of what the game, like, I think this, what this series kind of does, like with Persona 5, you know, it's like, it's 20 XX and everything that's happening kind of seems like a mishmash of the last 15 or so years in sort of a yearless representation. So like, I mean, it's just, it's just the early 80s. That's just kind of what, it, that's the vibe to me. I, I, I think you could just assume it's the 80s because the way that yeah. the, the computer stuff is written, even though it references some like slightly older hardware, as far as I know. Um, it's It's got that like, <clears throat> it just has the that like uh, kind of future is like a strong term, that like modern future kind of, the way that like anime in the 80s and I guess just popular culture in the 80s in Japan kind of like viewed computing and where it could go and where it could be at that exact time if like things were like advanced like a little more. So it has like an 80s vibe. Like the idea of like this kid uses a computer for everything, but it's like chunk yeah. computing is like that's that feels pretty 80s. Mm. The only thing that makes it feel a little futury is like the his portable computer, but I think that's just the way that a lot of a lot of anime and manga is going to be like it's modern day, but like it's a little it's a little more fancy because you watch like Bubblegum Crisis and it's yeah. like oh it's the year 2015 and they're like they have like hover bikes mm-hmm. and like now we're like oh bad news fuckers. Yeah, I know. Actually, right, actually, probably good news. If they had hover bikes, everyone would be getting running over. Jeez. But, but would they? Because you hover, you just go under the... I bet the, like, gravity waves just, like, crush your skull into the oh, ground d- or something. Yeah, so. I, hmm. <laughs> you're, I actually did not think about that. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably, like, way worse. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Another, another, another hit and run by a hover bike. You hate to see it. <laughs> well, let's scrape them up. Get the spatula. Um, right. So, <laughs> so 1980s is setting. We're going setting with. aside. This book opens pretty, pretty brazy. Um, you've yeah, got- like our our introduction to Nakajima is him getting the shit kicked out of him. By uh, is, the captain that, of the karate club. That's right. It does immediately start with him just getting shit kicked <laughs> out of him. And then it following him getting the shit kicked out of him. Um, it goes into a full like across like four or five pages. Just like masturbatory 
this guy's the greatest dude to ever exist on the planet, but everyone hates him. It's absolutely nuts. Like, I can't... But, but they also <laughs> idolize him even though they hate them. They're his favorite... Per- he's their favorite person, I but they hate him. I can't stress enough how off the walls it is. And, like, you know, we're... Go- the, the translation is, a, is one thing that we'll discuss, but translation aside, the spirit of it is <laughs> immutable. You know what I mean? You could translate this into, like, Aramaic, then into German then back into (laughs) Japanese, then to English, and the spirit of it would still be off the walls, mean-spirited, and self-obsessed. Yeah, like, someone (laughs) would definitely try to make a case for this and insist that, like, the translation's, like, misrepresenting, you know, the quote-unquote spirit or how well it's actually written or Mm -hmm. what it's trying to say, but, like, no. There's just... There's just a... There's just a vibe baked into this that no matter how it's presented to you, like you could get just an objectively highly skilled author to take this story and then just give it better delivery and it would still suck. Or at least be like a fucking nightmare because it's not even the pacing of the story just doesn't feel great. Oh, it's incredibly uneven. And, and, and incredibly, I doubt it's the translation. I think it's just the way it's written. The pacing of the writing itself, yeah. aside from the story, is also fucking wonky. I can't tell if it needed to be longer. Maybe that's it. Maybe it needed like it just needed to be baked a little longer. <laughs> but I feel I like I feel like if this book ran any longer, there would have been like seventeen more rape scenes. Uh, well, yeah. Well, book two is uh, book two is. 40 pages more and exactly the same thing. So, okay. Cause like to, like to, to jump be ahead fair, a little bit, there's yeah. a scene where Nakajima can see like all the women that Loki is like assaulted and murdered, like writhing within his ethereal being. And I'm like, I think in a book that was longer, you would just get way more details about the billion women that he has had his way with. And, and the details. Murdered. Oh, we'll get to the details. <clears throat> I will at least admit that Um, the details, they could have been A, hornier and B, grosser. So props for that. I maybe kind of think, but it's still terrible. It's still awful. It's just, it's just the God dog, the dog gone Mm -hmm. worst. But yeah, so the, the, the thrust of the opening of this book plot wise is essentially Kondo, the karate boss whips the shit out of Nakajima for ostensibly hitting on his girlfriend, Kyoko. In reality, it's the inverse of that. And she came on to Nakajima and he snubbed her. and, and, And as this jilted, you know, like, rejected person, Kyoko then, like, goes crying to her karate boyfriend... That Nakajima assaulted her basically, and so Kondo beats the shit out of him. And, it's and I want to, I want to tear <clears throat> that exact thing apart because I think it kind of just covers the whole first chunk of the book. Is like the initial setup is that this guy's beating the shit out of him because he hit on his girlfriend. So it's like it's very much a like sad boy thing 
on its own. But then at the same time, he also gets more sad boy sympathy points by being like, well, actually, she hit on me because I'm so great. And I said no, because I'm too good Mm -hmm. for her. And then I got beat up anyway. And then the teacher just watches it happen. And the whole class just laughs and leaves. And then even though he's the smartest and the greatest and everyone idolizes him. (laughs) And then his friend Kenichi just 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 also stands there and doesn't even do anything. Just standing there, knees knocking, pee in his pants, just immediately set up as this bumbling idiot. (laughs) and like yeah it just immediately sets up the whole world is just like nakajima's at the top and everyone else is just this insufferable idiot or just like pathetic and weak and like it Uh, just it just hammers you for nine pages that this guy is an obnoxious asshole and he's laying there on the floor for an hour after school bleeding basically (laughs) on the floor while his friend just stands there this and, is a great time to bring up that quote. It's that nuts. like screenshot you posted me of this guy that um the guy who had like the translations posted on his blog or whatever that says <laughs> his synopsis for the third book is as follows. Dumb demon bullshit probably happens, but it's not in English, so fuck if I know. Nakajima is a dumb asshole. I doubt that changes. Apparently he dies. Who cares? <laughs> and like shouts out to that dude, because yeah. that's just like that's the book is he's a fucking shithead. <laughs> he's he's just he's the guy on Facebook that's just being an obnoxious moron that you're like, if I had one bullet to legally kill someone, no repercussions, I would just off this dude because he is a pointless mm-hmm. person. And that is Nakajima yeah. until you find out that he's a reincarnated God, because why wouldn't he be? <laughs> but for now, at least it's an hour after school. He finally is able to get up and his friend and him walk to the train station. And like the only thing I, the only note I really have for this whole chunk is that they're just on the train sitting there in silence. And then Nakajima to himself just goes like, Mm -hmm. demons, eh? Yeah, it really just (laughs) ham-fistedly shoves this idea in that he could make a pact with a demon of some form of fashion and uh, get what he wants, whatever that is. I, I don't, it, it's not, I, I don't know. again, terrible writing. Um, it, it jumps around. It doesn't always explain things. It doesn't make everything clear. It just kind of goes. It kind of feels like someone wrote this mm. as like a anime screenplay. And gave it minimal, yeah. like, mm-hmm. setting and, like, exposition. Oh, and another... And they, were, and they were like, no, you can't have an anime. So he's like, well, I'll make it a book. Yeah. And another, like, I think the last thing that this little series of things <clears throat> is trying to... It's trying to lay out for you is, like, the very harsh social stratification of this high school in which, like, you know, the the top tier students are catered to their every whim. They have better facilities and better materials and they get a better lunch and all this shit. And um, <laughs> Nakajima is of course like the top boy of the top percent of whatever. And like, but the guy who beats him up is not. And they're, but for some reason, everyone lets him yeah. do what he wants because I guess he's the worst, worst boy. And that's what this is like, kind of trying to 
give give you yeah, and the... and to really hammer home that Nakajima is just the goddamn best. You know, like it it goes out of its way for his friend to just sit there and think to himself, "Well, if I'm a pro- if a pro- if I'm a prodigy, then the Nakajima must be a b- 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 bona fide genius." And it's just very, uh, it's truly just, you know, it it does insane. It, it reinforces it like you get the uh, you get the picture. I guess it's effective. <clears throat> yeah, um, and when. Yumiko gets introduced. She has this whole thing where she also assesses the school as this like bad vibe place where the the quote unquote gifted kids get all the good treatment and everyone else is just like shitted on mm. and no one is friendly or nice. But first he goes home to do some coding and this is like, mm. mm-hmm. this is the only part of the book that I kind of like, Nishitani kind of, he tries to flex his like, literary descriptor muscles here and it like see all it almost works like it's weird he's like very like you know oh and the he describes the outside of Nakajima's apartment building and he's like you know outfitted with like fine Canadian imported marble oh god yeah and stuff which that like I don't know why that stuck out to me but yeah, and that and then like, you know, it sets it up, of course, his his dad's been transferred to some office in Los Angeles and his mom's always busy. And he there's kind of a funny little like, oh, if you're going to leave me the same, like the dinner's in the microwave, have a good night. No, you might as well just Xerox the thing. And that that's like it almost gets <laughs> to this point. That's like a decent slice of life type thing. Almost. It and feels then it gets somewhat to his room. unnecessary. Yeah, and it well, the whole point of it is to get you into the room, and this is when I start taking personal issue with well, the, you could, the laziness of shit. You could skip the whole thing with his parents because, like, there not, none of that's ever referenced again. Again, know, it feels like, like a dumb little to, blurb that he shoved into this book to be like, "I didn't like my parents." Yeah, it's just there to make you pity Nakajima a little bit more, which I don't. And this next bit would be so cool because the dude's just sitting in his room writing a demon summoning program listening to Whitesnake. <laughs> Which, like, that kind of whips ass. Uh, that is that's pretty like, fucking rocking, dude. Like, all things considered, like, because, yeah, where is the... Where's the line? He flipped the switch on the side of his speakers and the vocals of David Coverdale filled the room. So, yeah, like, you know... Nakajima's a rockin', don't bother knocking. <laughs> like, it almost gets to a place that I like, and then he just ham-fistedly starts throwing out, like, oh, and you look at his bookshelves, and he's got the Book of the Dead, and, like, all these narcotic books, and the new fucking theory of the Golden Dawn, and just, like, you know, which, like, as a thing that I'm sure will be pulled apart over the course of this, you know, like, I'm a bit of a student of chaos magic. <laughs> and, and you know, like... Fuck Aleister Crowley and stuff. But, like, you take pieces of... You know, like, the lame is all about taking pieces of things that work and incorporating it into your own will and exerting that as a... We'll get there. But, so, it tries to set up as Nakajima, literally as, like, this little baby magician... 
fucking jamming some white snake and summoning demons from the digital world, which like is pretty fucking sick. And it he grazes these aspects of things that I believe where it's like everything's just this trans-dimensional baklava, you know, <laughs> and, like, the computer realm and the spiritual realm are only, like, one layer of phyllo dough apart, and, <laughs> like, it, it really starts touching the button in my brain that I, that I like to be touched by things, but then the whole thing just kind of falls apart. <laughs> Because he's really like hammering all more into the um, the Lovecraftian side of the, of stuff, which you know is the bad racist side of things. <laughs> you know, he's already trying to rope you into this idea of like, you know, we're gonna use the power of Kabbalah and astrology and crystals and the astral plane and alchemy and like we're gonna confer with the secret chiefs and summon some demons, but he just. Absolutely doesn't go there. And, um, and yeah. Oh, incidentally, International Satanist Garden is my favorite Demu Borgia record. Um, <laughs> <laughs> A little homework for, for the listeners. But yeah, what's International Satanist Garden is the name of what even is it? It's like a global organization of dorks, basically, that's run by this sure, yeah. MIT professor or something. That's right. So the purpose of that whole thing is to get you to there exists an AI that Nakajima confers with about stuff. Yeah. Known as Kraft. And that AI is created by the International Satanist Garden, headed by Professor Charles Feed of MIT. So there's a lot of like he gets on the phone with Michigan and or sorry, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And it's very uh, God, God bless this mess. Um, so essentially, he's just like arguing with Jarvis the whole time. Oh, please don't. We can't. You know, can't open that can. Please. You know. Am, you My know. God. Am I right, gamers? And um, the gamers My know God. what I'm talking about. Why have you forsaken me? So essentially, <laughs> this whole thing wraps up with just like yeah. So he's writing a demon summoning program. And his mom comes home. But, but, yeah, before the express purpose of literally fucking murdering Kyoko and, um, and what's his fuck? Kondo. Does he say explicitly he wants to murder them or that he just wants to, like, He says that to him, the teacher. Show them what for. He explicitly tells the teacher that he is going to murder them. Okay. Well, I get, well, I guess he doesn't actually, but he tells the teacher, well, We'll get there in a second. But yeah, his mom comes home and he's like, I ran into the goalpost playing soccer. Yeah. And that's why I looked like someone beat the shit out of me for an hour. <laughs> that's why I'm clutching my fucking rib cage in agony. Yeah, that's why like four of my ribs are fucking shattered. <laughs> I ran into the goalpost playing soccer. 
<laughs> you fucking like Tom and Jerry style ran into that fucking goalpost, just fucking shattered his entire skeleton. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Love it. God, but yeah, so he he goes to bed, 3 a.m., computer runs out of memory, decides he's oh. got to finish this shit up at the computer lab at school. Yeah, so Nakajima's in the middle of a hexagram finishing up his program. <laughs> and yeah, the reason that I think that he literally, like, it doesn't, he doesn't, you're right, he doesn't say it explicitly. He but, just wants, he wants, because it, the book does specify once or twice that he is, like, he is a he is a small boy. Mm-hmm. He's not he does not have physical prowess. He's just the handsomest and the smartest smartest. Uh so I think he so he wants to use a demon to basically like exert the physical strength that he needs. Like he mm-hmm. just he just wants power. He's just a, a dweeb that wants power. We all want power, it's fine. It's normal. And, and then the whole thing just kind of tumbles into this jargony nightmare for a second with computer bullshit like for no real reason <laughs> and yeah, like he can't well, oh yeah that's the other thing where it's like he, I forgot to like I did want to mention all that like that thing at the end of that chapter before he goes to the computer lab where it's just like this mess of jargon and then it gets to like oh and also like Nakajima can't go to medical school because he's an idiot and he sucks but also he's the smartest like it's we can't it really gets up its own ass again. Enough <laughs> with that, that, like, this dude is the absolute greatest fucking gift to all mankind. But at the same time, no one likes him. It's almost like it explained exactly what 4chan teaser base would be, um, like, yeah. 20 years prior. It's amazing. Love to see it. Um, and, and the reason that he I... Does, so. he, does tell a, he does tell the program to kill... Um, them. Yeah, that and like, you know, and you wouldn't need to protect yourself with a Solomon hexagram and you wouldn't need to tell your teacher like, hey, bud, better get in the hexagram because this thing will probably rip you to shreds if you were summoning something to teach someone a lesson and not fucking murder them. Yeah, true. True. And, and, uh, man, this thing is like book is unnecessarily horny when it comes to describing the teachers too like all of them it's very yeah uh, very well weird. it'll only describe the the one right well ohara yeah um oh that's right because this isn't ohara yet this is this is like a male teacher this is the computer room lita te- yeah it's either or the, it's either the english teacher or the i think it's the english teacher i think it's implied they, that this is the one that would have watched him get beat up earlier right because that's why he uh also suffers the wrath of the demon summoning program along right with, i with mean kondo and kyoko we could get really into the weeds or we can take the direct route here, which is that um, he does go to school to use the extremely large computer lab um, since his computer is not beefy enough. He, he just doesn't have that gamer rig. He can't, he no, can't run the program. He, he can't he, run. It can't run crisis gamers. It can't he do it. Like so he like me did not have an school. RAM. So uh, he does go to school and it just spirals outward from there. Um, he goes to school to kill these two uh, individuals who wronged him. 
Uh, and it does get horny in describing um, how he uses his enslaved fellow students to, like, grab her because they specifically grab her upside down. Yeah. With, like, one dude holding each one of her legs and then one of the girls that is controlled starts, like, (laughs) biting her between her legs. And I'm like... As I was reading it, I was like, this is going to get horny, right? Like, super horny. Like, gross. Oh, yeah. And it, it doesn't really... She just ends up killing her, I believe. believe Yeah, she – there's a lot of – the way that this guy likes to kill people is to just like – Neck snapping? Just like shake their heads around a lot until their neck snapped. That happens to a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that's all about. But yeah, Yeah. so he literally just uh, – it kind of tries to pull a switcheroo on you because the whole thing at night plays out where they it seems like nothing happens and the computer just shuts off and they're like, huh, I guess it failed. And then the next day at school, it actually turns out that it worked and he's used the program to just like, yeah, enslave his whole class to murder fucking these two people and they murder, they murder the teacher too. I, yeah, I can't remember if his initial intent is to actually kill the teacher or if he's just like, it happens. He's like, fuck it. Um, yeah, just kind of like either a, way, either a way witnesses they die. thing. But yeah, yeah I, th- I think um, it's retribution because it kind of does imply a couple times that this is the guy that would have been around at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, God, it's so dumb. Like, it's just, so, it's just very it just doesn't play out well. I, I guess to back up to the horny shit, um, they do like tear her shirt open or, or they grab her by her. They, they, they boob grab her. I don't know. Of course. Yeah. Like, like you, yeah. you, and, and a lot of, um, there's just a lot of grope. There's a lot an, of grope. Anime, anime yeah. manga storytelling. There has to be some amount of, that and you can't interact with a female in a negative way without also fondling her because you can't just murder a woman you need to like sexually objectify her before you do it um yeah and that's the thing like that's what this that's what this book does over and over again this one and in the second one it like it just some dudes do die but this guy fucking hates women man hates women (laughs) All well, of when the, the women, men, he when goes the men so die, far they just out die. of his way to describe, like, all the bad shit that happens to him, and it's super gross. I mean, it's it's truly repugnant, and not in, like, the good horror way, just, like, in a truly mean-spirited, bad-feeling way that just, like, I don't fuck with. <laughs> your first couple of male deaths are pretty just standard, like— he got stabbed or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's um, got his throat slit, I think. You yeah. get a couple a little later that are a little more involved, but it's still... But it's just this thing, it's like the thing-style gross-out death. It's not like... Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, when the when the first really <clears throat> descriptive male death is when... Um, so that's... So the big, the big secret gamers is that Nakajima has summoned Loki... Into our world. So post-ritual, um, you have, 
I, I believe immediately after that you have the introduction of Yumiko. Yeah, Yumiko and her salary man dad. Which is, it's pretty standard. She is also the prettiest and the smartest. Um, yeah. Best girl, best forced, boy. Yeah. She was forced to move um, to this to this town. And she does not vibe with the school. Because she has heard things. She gets there. The vibes are rancid. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, she discovers that the vibes are rancid because Nakajima has enslaved the entire school. It, that's Almost. kind of what it implies <laughs> or, or to varying degrees. Or, or he's enslaved so much of the school that everyone else is afraid or they just don't understand and they avoid it. Like, I think it's I think it's supposed to be half he has enslaved some people and the other half is it's a school where so many people are ignored or they ignore yeah so it's like those two things merging together to create just the scenario where he kind of just does whatever he wants and isn't questioned on it yeah that's kind of like a vague theme that is held throughout the whole like game franchise which i think is pretty funny like because it is like one of the (laughs) few good little like oh there's there's something to that idea like it's one of the few things that you can take from this and and adopt and and adapt into something else sure so to i guess skip ahead a little bit um i believe at some point she's in she's in classical japanese literature class and you get a little blurb about um the Izanami Izanagi thing. Uh, yeah, like it just like literally drops it on you out of nowhere. It just like yeah. this girl sitting in class she, and all of a sudden they're just like, by the way, like she's the reincarnation of this goddess. Like it just they it, just like say it. It's <laughs> like, a little it's like a it's a corny like popcorn movie first 20 minutes introduction to like this is the story and this is how it's this is like the setup. It's just like they're in class and oh, it's a real, like, oh, you, oh, you don't know about Michael Myers? It's a real like rancid meat cute. <laughs> it's that um, there are a few times, I think, before the shit starts kicking that um, she like makes little like, I'm having deja vu. Mm-hmm. I've seen this. Why am I seeing this thing? Yeah, she straight up walks up to him and is just like, why do I feel like I've seen you before? And then he sh- basically just hits her with like, your best bet is to stay away, motherfucker. It's just one of those days. I'd like, he straight up does the hero you yeah. and like, I'll kill he you does. thing. Does. Like, <laughs> it's an invitation to my birthday yeah. party. No, I'll kill you. <laughs> Wide-eyed anime face for 15 minutes. So then after, you know, and he, God, and again, the spirit of this. So he goes out of his way. So it's set up where he's like, you know, stay away, whatever. And then he goes out of his way to be like, and like all teenage girls do once or twice, she decides to make the bold decision and not stay away. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck, bro? So she decides to see what's up. And she follows him somehow, like, after school. And, and like, it sets up this weird casting couch scenario in the middle of a sky chart. And it's just Mm -hmm. more spaghetti at the wall, mysticism, Kabbalah, Golden Dawn imagery stuff. And, like, it just doesn't, like, again... I'm, I feel like I'm probably in the minority as someone who knows about like those things on a slightly deeper level and just it doesn't it doesn't work like it didn't it 
it's very lazy and it doesn't jive. It's barely even works on a surface level, even if you just see the things. But at least um, Cerberus is here. So yeah, so she does um, stick around after school and wait in the bushes, basically, to to see what the fuck is up. And she um, sees Cerberus, which I think is cool. That's like, I, I didn't think that Cerberus would be one of the things that had its origins in the book. Well, so you, th- you think back, but, and at the end of the game, yeah. our friend Cerberus says, "Yeah, he basically says, your work is not done, I'll fight as- alongside you again. And it's specifically Cerberus, so yeah. you know that like he's a special boy. Yeah. And he is a special boy. He's the best character in this book. Um, oh, by far. Yeah. So Cerberus is ineffably the y- best. Yumiko does, at some point in the process of all this, see Cerberus. She gets brought into the room, etc. Um, that's not the most alarming thing happening here. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> not by a long shot. <laughs> uh, what is happening here to just... To, to just boil paint it me down. A, paint me a word poem. <clears throat> Pretty, because there there is like six or seven pages probably devoted to this particular scene. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's link, it is lengthy. The short version is, as we've established, um, Nakajima has turned the computer lab into his little demon room. Yeah. He's got the couch. He's got the porno couch. You know the one. With the um, straps and the he's got the it. Buckles. Well, there's yeah. there's no straps on that particular porno couch, but um, there are straps on this one. So imagine the porno couch mm. with, with straps. Um, he's got it next to his little demon summoning station because everyone in the computer lab knows yeah. that there's always a giant black sofa in the computer lab. Um, he pulls his teacher in. The very beautiful. The of of course she's a a beautiful lady. Yeah, um, the very beautiful. His, Full-chested. The, the um, classical Japanese literature teacher has been brought in here. Um, she has been described to be afraid, but also, like, not resistant. And I believe initially the read you would have is that she's just, like, under someone's control and cannot, she's not of her own will. That is why she's afraid but complying. Mm-hmm. But um, you get a different impression a little later. Basically, they take her. Um, I don't remember if she gets naked. I don't think she does, though. She doesn't. Um, no, not yet. <laughs> Nakajima hooks her up to um, Cerebro. Yep. And Pretty much. Jacks, her, jacks her into the Matrix where mm-hmm. Loki has... Well, they fuck. They fuck. Um... In it, cyberspace, though. In, in cyberspace, it sort of implies that it is not consensual. However, you do find out later that um, once you have sex with a demon, you become lustfully obsessed with it. So at this point, she actually, it, this is where you come back and it, she wasn't afraid. I think she was just pre-super horny to fuck Lucifer or Loki. Loki. Um, to, to fuck him again in cyberspace, um, superhuman samurai style, just smash it out. Um, I believe this is where she becomes impregnated. Yes, she's impregnated by, with Loki's by, baby. By Loki. With his um, cyber demon baby, somehow. And at some point in this, this is where Yumiko has rushed in, or not rushed in, but she gets caught by Cerberus. Mm-hmm. She gets brought in. Um, she is flabbergasted. 
oh, she just can't. She can't even, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and it also, this motherfucker has, like, his boy, Kenichi, is one of his, like, brainwash pawns. Like, this dude is <laughs> such a dickhead. He is a, a insufferable little this is the yeah. This is the character that <clears throat> you play as. Right, like, so to to <laughs> kind of wrap everything up so far, this dude is so mad about people not liking him enough and getting beat up that he has enslaved his entire school to a demon lord and allows that demon lord to sexually assault women. Oh. He's also enslaved his best friend. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's, that's the, how this all wraps up is the, him at the head of this computer lab systematic sexual torture machine like in the com- the astral plane in the computer lab mm-hmm. like it's absolutely fucking beyond the pale to me <laughs> like, and he does do his little his little um you know centrist bullshit thing where he's like well it's it's only in the digital realm it's not real sex he he tries to do his little mental gymnastics to make him feel better about sending women off to get to get assaulted so yeah, he and, can feel powerful. And sure, you can take that approach to it if you want of like, you know, well, it's provocative. It's, you know, it's shocking. It's And like, I just am a person who believes that it's not easy to, I mean, it's not easy, that it's not difficult at all to be shocking and provocative. It's not hard to just say shitty things. Yeah. Like, and it's it's very much not difficult to shock a reader by just, like, typing a bunch of really gross shit. You also generally... It's not an achievement. It's, it's the sort of thing that you do not write unless somewhere in your brain <laughs> yeah. th- that is who you are. Like, okay, I guess, like, an example here is, like, and not to give a pass to, like, white people using the n-word ever but like you can look at like american history x and be like okay like he wrote a screenplay about racists and how they view the black community and that's like at least something you can be like well that dude's probably not racist but when someone writes a a a little story where a super great kid gets bullied for no reason and then has everyone enslaved and assaulted so he can feel good again. You only write that if, if there's something wrong in your brain. So you like there was a way for him to make like a, this is super scary or like not vibing without taking quite this many steps in this direction. So then I think the concept of having our world invaded by demons who want to enslave and murder us is that's that's good. That's good on its own. You can still have the demon summoning without all that stuff. What if Loki just wanted a fucking he wanted a civic SI or something. He wanted the he wanted the car from initial D. That's what Loki wanted. He could have he could have wanted that. Why has he got to crave women? Who knows? Why couldn't he crave anything else? I don't even know. Like, it's it's just, it's it's very, it is, like, it's upsetting to read. Like, it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's even more upsetting because it's just, it's Stockholm Syndrome. Because later in the story, 
she's like frantically obsessed with Loki and his little baby and all this we'll shit. There. Well, I I did want to a couple things that I did want to point out. Nakajima has somehow has a well-worn copy of this mm. Golden Dawn book. And he does not know that you have to be very, very specific in the terms of service you sign with the demon. Oh, yeah. And that's like, that end user, and, that's, user and this is what agreement. I mean. Like, it's so, it's really just like obnoxiously lazy to me. And like, this is what I was saying when I was like, it's a light novel. You're not supposed to think it's deep, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's just like really annoying to me that this like guy who is a genius who's read the Golden Dawn book fucking hundreds of times, apparently, or whatever, like, just straight up doesn't know that you can't just summon a demon to just chill. Like, you have to be... It's a fucking demon, asshole. It's a fucking demon. Like, it's... it's That is brazy to me. You're not you're not ordering a double cheeseburger, dude. It's a demon. And... He's just gonna show up like, hey, hey Brody. <laughs> He's gonna be like, yeah, where my soul's at? God. And then, so the... The flashback scene. Right. Also. Where, again, it's like this weird... So Nakajima just, like, blacks out randomly apropos of, like... Well, not apropos of nothing. I guess it's when he sees Yumiko and they make eye contact and they're just like... And he just, like, gets transported to this, like, Emperor's New Groove-ass setup where he's, like, running down this hill. Yeah, he went to the ziggurat, my brain. Yeah. I was like, we back, we yeah. back. So it's like, it's, but it's, like, cartoony in this weird way, and this yeah. man's running away from a rotten, a rotting woman. And it's very just... And, like, this is so, like, in the Goodreads reviews of this, a lot of people are like, oh, the horror imagery is very good, and, like... No, it's not. Being... Just being descriptive and like having good imagery aren't the same to me. And nope, so when you just not. say like her eyeballs fell out and then her lips turned to gross liquid, like it's just, I mean, it, I, I don't know. It's not so much evocative to me as just like, yeah, you're just thing, medically describing gross shit. Like the thing you also have to remember is that these people are reading the same translation we are. Yeah. So where where we say we don't know if the writing and the wording is unique to the translation or if this is if this is it if it's just tr- transposed one to one. Everyone on Goodreads read the same thing and they're saying it's good. It's not. It's not. Like there is no description. It's literally just his head exploded and his eyeball shot out. <laughs> that's not that you can watch that on Tom and Jerry. Like yeah. you don't. That's not. That's not like horrifying. Like I Auga. Mean, it, it it is. It is horrifying in a in like a standard Webster's dictionary sense. But mm-hmm. as people who have consumed countless works of art, um, some violent, some not, just reading the literal word for word phrase his head crushed under the weight of blobity blob and his eyeball shot out. It doesn't strike fear into my heart. Yeah. It's just like in in real life. Yes. That would absolutely scare the shit out of me, but not in a book. Yeah. And especially when it's just like, Oh, Hey, like you guys seen the thing like, yeah, I have. (laughs) It's it's pretty good movie. (laughs) Uh, Next part of the book. 
So we uh Oh right. Jarvis we, has we to had, tell him about the jello first. We 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 close out of this the scene where Yumiko has watched this uh we'll call I guess she called a sacrifice, sort of in a, a, in a sense. Psychosexual sacrifice, I guess. <laughs> a psychosocial sacrifice. <laughs> um shut up. So she wakes up the following day, uh, unsure of what has happened. She's rationalizing parts of it. She thinks that Cerberus or Kerberos. Yeah, it's Kerberos in here. And that's the other thing. So that's like, we're going to get into the weeds with that in the voiceover for the season too, probably because there's a lot of, um, this is where the gaps in my knowledge of like the wording for things is going to come in. But like, there's a lot of like, it's Romaji, right? Where it's just the literal translation versus how you just actually say the word that brings it to like Kerberos versus Cerberos and like Latos versus I'm not Ratos. Sure, you know. I I think it's all I I honestly I'm like I'm not an authority on that subject to any degree so I'm not gonna speak on um Japanese grammar but but yeah, anyways yeah the note that I have for this part is Yumiko <clears throat> weirded out by the whole situation inexplicably horny for the creep at the center. So Right, so she is trying to find the logic to explain what she has seen. Uh, she thinks that Cerberus was just a big dog that Nakajima mm-hmm. takes to school with him, as as one does. So she gets a phone call at some point after this from Nakajima saying, hey, don't come to school tomorrow because Loki has requested that he provide, him, he provide Loki, Nakajima provide Loki, Yumiko for his little cerebro sex thing. So Nakajima now realizes that he has made some form of an error in his little demon pact and attempts to contact Yumiko to tell her, hey, don't come to school. Lay low for a little while. Doesn't explain anything. And yeah, her response like- is, we can talk about this at school. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to school. Um where yeah. her friend that she's made um, is extremely pushy about going to the computer lab. Yeah, just like, let's just everyone. hang out. Just let's, we're all hanging out in the computer lab. You know, the and computer course, lab. Let's go hang out in the of computer course, lab. Of course, Yumiko is... She's like, uh, why do we need to go to the computer lab for our classical Japanese literature class? That doesn't make any sense. The computer lab's only used for math and science and English. Mm-hmm. Um, but her friend is insistent and apparently insanely strong, oddly strong. I guess at this point, I guess it's just like they have like possession strength, you know, is kind of so they're all and they're they're everyone's effectively slowly ferrying her towards the computer room. They're like, yeah, kind (laughs) of like like crowd hive mind mosh pit, yeah, like like, funneling her along (sighs) to the computer lab, um, where she arrives to this, a similar scene from the other night, but now the couch is empty. Uh, yeah, and she's not excited about that. Oh, no. obviously. Um, but this is where we have Loki uh, finally materializing physically. Um, the book previously alluded to the computer oozing energy and this is coming back to that full circle it's mm-hmm. oozing real ooze um ah real ooze 
Yeah, and this is the stuff that Jarvis... Okay, look, I'm going to stop saying Jarvis. The name of the AI is literally the craft. No, it's just craft. Or just craft, sorry. (laughs) I guess I'll have to back up because we do... We have missed the... The, the the single chapter or the single page about the other the other building the other company building so loki finds out he can use the internet basically to yeah. get around so he can materialize himself near a computer terminal and of so course the only ones the that are really going to be powerful enough i guess are going to be like in financial buildings because of what era B- yeah, it is big, so, yeah just like, yeah large computers like a like a school or like a big corporation would have one um so yeah he picks but a in that in that scene you have he does contact another building where he uses some he it's called protoplasm in this book yep. he, he basically shoots goo through the internet through the computer and murders a few dudes. Yep. My um, only that, note for this is that whole protoplasm thing was so dumb, LMAO. Yeah, he he sends goop. He sends the thing goop over to the to the the some company building, and the goop consumes and smashes yeah, it, these dudes. The thing. There's them, a basically. There is yeah. one description of a dude. Getting his like head exploded. <sighs> That's about the most graphic male death in the book. Yeah, and it's like kind of the only one that really like <laughs> made me feel like. Huh. Also, I mean, like it, in in the good to, way, yeah. in I mean, like in the horror, like huh, like in the good gross out way, not in the like oh this is absolute garbage kind of way. Yeah, um, it was effective. Yeah, so at this point, yeah. you have been introduced to the the protoplasm concept. So when you have you have we have Loki entering um the computer room where he is going to have real sex in the real world yeah and i guess i should specify he's not having real sex with her he's having real sexual assault with her yes Um, very much so but uh and so the book kind of talks about this later and i don't i I don't have a full grasp on it because nothing's properly explained he kind of turns into a half goo monster in this scenario. Yeah, it's like with his face. So he but, keeps his head, but he, his body turns into a big blob. So instead of having using his trying to use his human body to to do his thing, I think it's implied t- that his bronze human body is difficult <clears throat> to form currently. Mm-hmm. So, and if you've seen, if you've been following the show, you should have seen multiple. You should know what Loki looks like at this point. <laughs> I will have posted him a lot. So, th- this is a a beautiful faced man with hair metal hair. Yeah, dude. at like as the head yeah. of a Akira blob, basically. <laughs> Yeah, and so of course it's a tentacle monster. Uh, that's the thing. He wraps her up in the blob shit, and mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't give you exceptionally vivid details on what he's doing. It's just strongly implied that he has begun to do something to her. Mm-hmm. And Loki's touch um, does dissolve your clothes, gamers. Keep that mm-hmm. in mind. You become fully nude yep. um, if you are bashful that's, in front of Loki. Yep. Tough shit. He's gonna see you. You shit. Um, it is also at this juncture that his previous concubine, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and this is O'Hara uh, sensei. She is super horny for him, so she just crawls into the blob of her own volition. Mm-hmm. And within the blob, as she is watching him 
begin to have his way with so Yumiko, bad. she becomes jealous and swims over within <laughs> the blob to snap her neck. It's, so, it's, so, it's truly I'm, like the way that it's written is really totally batshit. And yeah, in the exact same way that the uh, that Kyoko was killed before, she just like sw- bl- swims through the blob to her and just like wrenches her head around and breaks her neck again. And uh and yeah, and, know, and she gonna, dies. She's I'm not going to go into killed. why that this entire scene that we're viewing is insanely problematic and shitty because I feel like we've 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 done that. So you guys know at this point yeah, we don't What's have to really like get into the the finer <clears throat> details of this, but but all of this has happened. All of However, this has happened, and this this is the point where Nakajima is like, ah, oh, this bums me out because now Yumiko's right. dead. Because he is <laughs> he is starting to get some little fuzzy wuzzies. His little deja vu shit's kicking in. He knows he's supposed to love this lady, I guess. But this is. One of the only cool things in this whole book, this is where we get him realizing that he can summon other demons. So he whips out his little his little um pit boy or whatever. I always I always envisioned yeah. it like a pit boy. Same. Like he wears a little he wears a little like mini computer on his wrist. Um he summons Cerberus to and you know that's the thing. Earlier in the book, I, I feel like they don't specify the beast, but later he's like, "Oh shit, I can summon a demon." Yeah, Cerberus this- is just kind of there, and you don't really like know one hundred percent why. And then this is kind of gives you like, "Oh, he like summoned him. Like he can do that, I guess." Yeah, but here he has like it feels like he has like an epiphany where he's like, "Oh shit, I can summon a demon to help me." Yeah, where he name drops Cerberus, summon Cerberus. Cerberus is just like, "I'm here." Digimon Digital Monsters, let's do it. Yeah, and now we're in the game. Like it's literally and this Nakajima is the first thing that you, fighting Loki. Like you're in yeah, the game you now, get, and this you get is yeah some game shit, and <laughs> like, that's at least um, a little exciting. Yeah, like it so, almost it almost brings you out of it for like one second. <laughs> this is where we learn that you can damage the blob, the protoplasm, the blob, mm-hmm. and that hurts Loki. Um, it is also in this scene after Yumiko has gotten her neck snapped. Um, that a voice awakens within her and it's like, you're in deep shit. I'm going to, I'm going to help you out. He's an army kind of like half revives her (laughs) and like, like animates her, I guess you would say like, doesn't revive or just like reanimates her a bit. So, she does revive her, I believe. So she comes, she comes, like, her neck is no longer snapped. She comes to, she's like, you need to get Nakajima and you need to go. So I thought that was way now, after that because when mm-hmm. he's carrying her through the tomb, she's dead. Right. Well, we're going to get to that. So. Oh, wait. Is she, it, now, sorry. she now has fire magic, which yeah. he tries to use on Loki. Um, Not really super effective, but it does, it does crisp his tentacles. I also heard, worth yeah. noting that at some point in this fight, um, Nakajima's gotten his head smashed into the floor by one of the tentacles. Um, mm-hmm. So he's he, he got a little fucked up. Um, and yeah, they there's a little tussle. There's some Cerberus fighting. There's some fire magic, which is in the game. Cool shit. 
um, a little rift opens, mm-hmm. and Yumiko slips through this rift with Nakajima. And in this moment, Loki tries to stop them. And this is where he, I guess, has claw hands. So he takes like yeah. a huge swipe at her or he tries to grab her. But instead, like, like, barely misses. So he just, like, carves the shit yeah, out of her like, back. just, like, gouges her back. That's right. And that's and you, you have them dies. waking. Yeah. You have them waking up in the forest. And Nakajima it has now, I believe, had the vision fully solidifying this whole Izanami, Izanagi situation. That they are reincarnated gods. And that they are lovers. Yeah, blah, blah. God, like they're just automatically, so they're <clears throat> automatically in love and everything's fine and right. all is forgiven. And now it's just a whole new stupid journey. Like it's yeah. fucked. <laughs> so he's like, oh, we're here. What's up? And realizes that she's dying again because she got her back apparently like completely ripped off because he can see into her body. Um, and she does, she bleeds out, she dies and he confers with Izanami, figures out he needs to go to her tomb to try to revive Yumiko. Um, and they get on Cerberus and, uh, he resummons Cerberus who is now a little tired, a little weak from the fight, but he throws her on Cerberus. He rides on Cerberus. It's, they it's, just it's like, like run Prince through the, they just like run there and there's literally. It's Princess Mononoke. Yeah. It's Princess Mononoke, dude. They run through the forest. And then there's the literally, they pass and the some hikers. hikers are like, like, must be huh? shooting a movie. <laughs> like, must be shooting that Mononoke live action shit, boy. But then we go right back to, they just go like, oh, by the way, Loki like pops into another bank and kills people. BTW, just in case you forgot, that was the thing that could it is, happen. It is at this point he is trying to locate where they went. Yeah. Because he knows that humans could never just like plane walk, basically. Um, and he's trying to figure out where they went. So he does some some shit he uses the internet he zaps himself closer to where they are yeah, he like pops out in the bank in the area <clears throat> and um well he pops out of the bank and then he summons flies as the lord of mm-hmm. flies clearly and yeah. they fly into his head and tell him what they know which was like pretty cool pretty cool. it's it's okay like i have written <laughs> I, my note here is the fly thing is fine but insects i think are always evocative as a rule probably so I don't know if I can really mm. give Nishitani the credit on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I get not fly. You know, I'm I'm gonna give it to him. It's it's good. Like the the flies flying into his ear holes and telling him what's up is like it's okay. I mean, well, the whole thing where he like opens his throat and like lets out a dog whistle for the flies is pretty pretty tight. And you have our our heroes arriving at Izanami's tomb, um, going down a little marble shaft. Uh, good times, good times. Yeah, they just end up in this, like, underground cavern city, like, I mean, they being Nakajima and the corpse. <laughs> right, because, well, he, he, is, he has to carry her physical body in there. So they arrive, um, he gets there, realizes that the tomb area is covered in mm-hmm. mercuric sulfide paint yep. which is demon resistant paint and which was something that mm-hmm. is referenced a little earlier in the science book is magic and magic is science 
Right. He's trying to figure out how he can counteract. So the chemical that Lo- Jarvis Loki. God, sorry. The chemical just, that crap it, is like is like, <laughs> hey, this is the chemical that you can hurt him with. And like, you know, Nakajima has this snide little like, where am I supposed to find mercuric sulfide in the middle of a fight? It's like fair point, yeah. but now you know where it is. You've got it. Um so, it's in yeah, the Mayan so paint. He, right. It's in the paint. It's it's hard in the paint. And um, which Loki cannot Clearly, Loki is incapable of going hard in the paint. So that's why this is set mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. the way that it's set up. He's not Waka Flocka. But not, before not before it explicates that to you, we do get, um, I mean, he basically encounters like a persona monster. And again, it's just like, man, this oh, guy no, the, fucking can't the, like get, get over it. The paint's it. before the monster. Well, the yeah, paint's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. first thing he realizes. And then he runs into the crazy giant bullfrog titty lady monster yeah and he just the way he describes the female form when it comes to this monster woman is i mean of course of course there's also two it's versions of women in this story that are described as being hideous monsters yeah of course and the only male monster is beautiful oh yeah again gamers this dude hates women anyway um so like the monster, the monster does attempt to thwart Nakajima as it has thwarted many yeah, other looters in yeah. centuries past. However, as Nakajima reflexively cries out about his beloved um, Yumiko slash, I'm just Izanami, Izanami, why have you forsaken me? But she's just as like, he's oh, done Marm? more than once at this point. She yeah, she, she literally real shits him. Like she's like, oh, he's an army real shit. Like follow she no me. longer she no longer sleeps right yeah so um and you know you you get a brief moment where you get some slight characterization the slightest bit a crumb of characterization if you if you mm-hmm. if you please for this frog demon guardian lady um she seems like a friend yeah she she's seems- like I literally have written here that she's my favorite character. <laughs> Like her and B Cerberus are the best characters yeah, in the whole like, damn book. Like Monster Lady that's guarding this tomb is straight up like great. I love the monster. She leads <laughs> she leads our our heroes to the tomb. Um and barfs up where, where, some crystal then, balls. Oh no. She doesn't barf them up. She pulls them out. She shoves her whole ass <laughs> arm down her throat. Sorry, yeah, you're and right. And pulls them out. <laughs> And it's like, here you go, but she can't she can't talk, I guess we should point or she speaks a weird she just like croaky yeah. language. Like croaks and shit. She gives Nakajima two of those um the little the like medicine ball things yeah, tells or whatever. Them to get to that you like in. twirl around in your in your hand, you yeah. know? Um she gives him a pair of those. And he doesn't know what to do with them, but he takes them. He feels a blossoming friendship with this frog lady uh, just in time for Loki to show up in the tomb where he suffers the wrath of the mercuric sulfide paint but fights through it. And just, yeah, and then he just, he, yeah, notices and it's like, oh, I'll just become like my bronze statue body and just becomes a bronze person. And he's like, damn, this shit hurt, but yeah. keep going. Um, There's a little fight between the frog lady and... 
Loki, as you can imagine. <sighs> yeah, and Loki kills Fro- her. Frog Lady doesn't. Yeah, very quickly. Very Kali Ma, like, rips her heart out and leaves her, like, you know, thinking about the that, goddess that she was that left is, to protect. Like, very... That is is a bit brutal. It, it was a, a, a cool little brutal... It was, like, one of the most... One of the only effective pieces of writing because I had already... Mm-hmm. I had become attached to this... Mm-hmm. This dungeon demon faster than I could possibly ever become attached to any other character in this story. Yeah. Um, so it is very unfortunate that he kills her. Uh, and so you have, they didn't have to do Yomotsushi Kome like that. Right. So he shows up and literally is just standing in the doorway of the tomb itself that he cannot enter because it is sacred and marked. And he is just like, yo dude, what up? (laughs) And it just rudely announces Naka- himself. Nakajima's kind of surprised, but then he's like, oh, this dude can't even walk in here. It's It's got, it's holy. He's mm-hmm. fucked. And he's literally just like, yo, dude, be quiet. I got shit to do. Which is like cold. I'll give him that. Yeah. That was, like, pretty, that was pretty tight. Pretty tight. <laughs> it was saucy for sure. Like, And uh, so you then get just a little back and forth with them um loki tries to convince him to to re-up on the demon stuff yeah he basically gives him his whole like hey man you can rule the world you know just basically now that nakajima has a girlfriend he no longer wants to rule the world yeah which is basically what it boils down to he's now in love with yumiko who he realizes is his just you know reincarnated love all they do is love each other and throughout it's the, the years. It's the literal um, only thing that matters anymore. <laughs> right. Like, so he no longer God. wants to kill people and r- rule the world or whatever. Um, it is at this point that we have Izanami awaken and Loki begins to just beat her up and ass- assault her physically and sexually. Uh, like, No, I don't think he sexually well, assaults He attempts her. to. Um, it, it's very implied that he's, like, being handsy as he's beating her up. I mean, on, you know. I mean, like you said, in, in this type of setup, you can't really do a bad thing to a woman without also yeah. including I a group. I guess maybe so. I just don't remember that particular blurb. I remember he's basically, like, goading her and he gets her mad. And so she tries to walk out. But Nakajima's like, hey, don't do that. You you dumb dumb i'm the smart one me man um and she stops but at this point i guess loki loki uses his weird magic yeah he reanimates yumiko he uses slave magic to reanimate yumiko to push izanami through the threshold of the tomb where he grabs her Mm -hmm. and the description for the grabbing if as i remember it is he just like puts her in a headlock basically like has her or he like does the arm behind the back thing where he just like grabs her and she can't move uh but maybe he gets weird you probably have better like reading comprehension than i do uh just like the whole the way the whole setup is described is like well i mean look i guess i have to give it up chaos magic is a whole lot of like coming on paper and then eating it to actualize your will so when it's describing the spell that loki's performing it's like his hands moving in a rhythmic motion and like god okay (laughs) but yeah and then like as he's like you know and then like the parts of them that were touching turn to like protoplasm and and then he does say that he's gonna impregnate her 
yeah, he does make some lines about how he's going to, you know, assault Yumiko in front of Nakajima and make him watch, yada, yada, of course, because you got to, it comes back to that as it always does. So now we're right back Um, into the fight, right back into... You have, you have the scene where, you know, um, chips are down. He is now able to summon Cerberus because there's no demon, anti-demon uh, paint, paint outside. in here. Yeah. This is where Nakajima figures out what to do with the balls by accident as he's <laughs> frantically striking just them start, together. Just making, start clacking them. Just start clacking them together. They make sparks, and he's just doing that constantly like, oh, until they fire. accidentally light a fire in one of the oil vases, which then creates a, a ring of fire in the air, as it is a, a god of some sort. Well, it's the god then becomes, of fire, and he gives uh, him the sword, Hinokagutsuchi, or whatever. And... Nakajima stabs Loki in the fucking head. With yeah, it, which fucking. Is he tries. Baller. He tries to give him pretty the full baller. Frieza, but the sword just gets stuck in in his head. <laughs> which, which is like radical shit. Yeah. Um, that part was good. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and that's so it. it's kind of it. Like, well, then Loki. like his his heart pops out, I think, and like Izanami's like, oh, you gotta you gotta get that. So then, very like. Chamber of Secrets, he like stabs the heart mm-hmm. with the sword mm-hmm. and it just like splutters and that's the end of Loki. Dot dot dot. Um and so Izanami brings back Yumiko. The the day is is one. Um however, this is where she explains that there is work to be done mm-hmm. because um Nakajima's Demon summoning program is now being utilized by Set, who we do encounter and this in the is, first this game. Part is so, like it's so goddamn boring. It just immediately is so mm-hmm. fucking like yeah. so bad and hard to read the epilogue for this little bit. I don't know like what it is about it, but it just immediately it just effectively sets up the ongoing threat of of demons entering the world through the internet and his computer program and, and all that stuff. And it really, um, really drops the ball with, um, Izanami's sign off for book one. Enjoy your brief reunion. Could have been take care. Could have been take care. Mm. It should have been take real care. shame. Petition to change the translation to take care. Yeah. So it ends with like, you know, good job, but like world still fucked. And now, you know, set the evil serpent god of Egypt is like running it. So I have to continue. And uh, I'm going to get some water real quick. And then okay. we're going to talk about some supplementary materials. Okay. I'm going to go gonna be, pee actually. And it's going to, it's going to get, it's going to get spicy. <laughs> I will give you Hinokagutsuchi instead. I will give this girl my power, and when she has gotten strong enough to defend herself on her own, I will return her to you. You'll wait that long, won't you? Take care. Mm-hmm. Turning around, right. he saw Yumiko looking back at him. Mm. Love it when they look back look, at it, you know? They look back at it, yeah. Closing thoughts on this on this book. 
or light novel, as it were. It's bad. Official two-word review, official review of the DDP. It's bad. So yeah, However, I mean, like I don't know, like the my thing, own... it is the thing <coughs> that effectively started this whole thing. Yeah, it kicked off this where whole we are thing. Right and, now. Um, so it is because it was of this book very, that we are here to talk about. It's it. very. It was very successful in Japan. You know, it was just a thing that was like a flash in the pan. Like <coughs> uh, it was, you know, sometimes light novels hit. And for whatever reason, this one just hit probably because it was grosser than what else was out at the time. It probably hit for the um, same reason that people were into Gigi Allen and shit. Normally, this is where I drop in a Gigi Allen track or something like that. But I don't think anybody really needs me to drop in. I drink your poo poo. I drink your pee pee or whatever to make a point about Gigi Allen being gross as fuck. I read, I would say, like, you know, I skimmed through it front to back and got probably 50 percent of book two. Um, even just skimming, it, it's really, really hard to follow, and the translations definitely, I don't want to just say it's, like, worse, it's just, like, a person with a writing style that doesn't agree with me, and it's, it's difficult for me to kind of parse what's going on. It's, I don't yeah, know, I there's a, there's a satellite that, <clears throat> that set the Egyptian serpent god somehow uses to beam himself, it's, beam himself around and, like, Ohara's in it again, mm. and, like, Yumiko, like, kills Nakajima's mom? Because she's, mm. like, possessed by something for two seconds. So, like, because she was possessed for two whole seconds, Yumiko just fucking, like, sets her on fire. Well, look, dude, if everyone was snapping my neck, I'd be mad, too. For, I would just be taking it correct, out on somebody. I guess. Um, and her, like, it it wraps up, like, her eye. Like, I think she's blind at the end of it. Her eyes get crushed by set somehow, I think is how <laughs> it read. And so mm-hmm. book two ends very the same as book one, where it's like, well, now Lucifer is in control of everything, and, and Yumiko's blind, and it's literally like, this is the third Matrix movie. Like, what? <laughs> Like Neo is literally yeah. blind. Like it's it's so it fucking, sounds like it's weird, and like it maybe, bad. It gets worse. I would maybe say. maybe the game is based on the third game. So but the game I think is it's still yeah. The game is based borrowing. on the third part in that the world has become so fucked up that it's no longer the world, and it's literally just like a series of all of these tombs and dungeons that have popped out of the ground. That are all attached to, you know, because there's billions of gods and shit, I'm sure. Yeah, and so it's um, like all of those things are real in the. Um, well, you know, obviously, I don't know what happens in the third book, but you do. You fight Loki, you fight Set in the game. So I'm either all that stuff reappears in the third book or it's borrowing pieces from the the other novels to to do whatever for whatever reason. Yeah. And so. Um, in reading, um, in reading these Famitsu interviews with Cozy and stuff, and I'm realizing that I've dropped uh, Cozy's name in here with a little too much familiarity, a little bit too often, maybe. So I'm I'm talking about uh, Okada Koji, Koji. I'm you know, stupid American, but um, but M- Mr. Cozy was a big time director. Uh, in the early early stages of Atlas up through like the PSX era, responsible for lots of the early Shin Megami Tensei direction, 
up through like a, a lot of Dreamcast stuff for Atlas, where he did like Machin X, which was like a really cool hack and slash. Um, if you know if you're familiar with the series, you can look at Machin X, and it just oozes that you know early to mid era Atlas style. It's 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 a really neat. This look. This isn't a Machin X podcast. I'm sorry. He's kind of lays out. Um. He kind of lays out like the early stages of the production and everything and like, okay, so my working theory on this is that Nishitani just like sucked and no one wanted him around because he was like, yeah, he was very adamant about putting more of his story into the first game. And unfortunately, we just couldn't accommodate a lot of it because of space constraints. And then Cozy goes on to talk about how they came up with workarounds for the Famicom technology to make the dungeons bigger. And so, mm-hmm. like, my, by reading between the lines of all this stuff, I really think that they hated his story so much and only wanted Loki fighting these kids with a demon dog. I straight up think that's what happened. Mm. And they were just like, oh man, sorry. Like there's not enough space to code all that in there. Like we had unreasonably long dungeons, man. Like we just can't make it work. We had to figure out new ways to compute dungeons to make ours bigger and more ridiculous. There was not space for the story. Fully assume that they saw like an idea in that that was interesting like the concept obviously the concept of of summoning fucking demons that you can like use for shit through a computer is like that's that's pretty rad that's you can use that idea but they they someone was smart enough to be like we don't need this like incel rape fantasy shit we don't need it yeah and like we just need the cool stuff it all kind of crystallizes in this quote where he says where it's like Mr. Okada said that he had made a he had allowed himself a slightly strict self-evaluation of his work, saying, Well, all we have left is a wide dungeon. Laughs. And it's it just like that just says to me, like, we mm-hmm. made this the way it is because it was the only way to get this rancid energy out of the project because mm-hmm. they kept trying to remake this original thing a couple times because that's what Kyuyaku is. It's the Famicom game remade essentially two times over. And then Shin Megami Tensei is where they're like, we finally wrote our own brand new story. And that's why it's called New Megami Tensei. So I think that kind of answers my question that I've had this whole time. I'm sure you've felt the same about just like, why, why is this? particularly the way it is and why is there nothing there's just nothing at all in between the beginning and end there's just nothing at all like we we get it we bring that up multiple times obviously in the course of yeah but this was really like i you know like this was the first time that i was like all right i'm gonna do the podcaster thing and i'm gonna like just read these translated articles and things that are like between 15 and 30 years old and just like really get to the bottom of this and just like confirm it. And I kind of feel like I have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, again, it's interesting because it's the thing that 
that brought us to this very moment. So I am curious, though, if A, this dude's still alive, and B, if he still gets kickback. Uh, who, Cozy or Nishitani? The author. Uh, Nishitani, the author, yeah. He's he's sixty five. He's he's still he's still oh. chilling. I just I just wonder if they only like contractually owed him money for like the first game and anything pertaining to it, or uh, if he just continues to get money from the franchise since it's loosely the lineage of his original. Work. I feel like without looking into this at all, I'm probably just gonna assume that that's what Shin Megami Tensei is all about, and everything mm-hmm. from that point on, he just doesn't get anything of, and I don't think there's a whole lot of yeah. actual commerce going on with uh, Megami Tensei. It could also be a, a situation like, um, so I believe originally when CD Projekt Red bought the rights or paid for the rights to do The Witcher, they they paid Andrei Sapkowski, however you say it, um, they paid him like a lump sum of money, which he agreed to because he didn't think it would be successful. And then it turned out to be like mm-hmm. a fucking cash cow and he got mad and like <laughs> sued them and they renegotiated. And that kind of seems like the vibe, deal. like everything... <clears throat> From everything I know about the light novel, like, you know, industry or whatever, that kind of seems to be the vibe of everything and just and also game stuff in the 80s as well. Like, it probably was very like this guy wrote this book on spec and these people were like, hey, we want to make this game about it. Can you like chill with us just like on spec? You know, like it's all just like spec work and just like lump sum shit mm-hmm. and then it becomes this thing. And yeah. Okay, well, one thing I did want to bring up since you, uh, I believe, asked about why is this book the way it is? Why is it so horny? Um, I do believe that in the mid-80s to early 90s, possibly early 80s to the early 90s, mm-hmm. there was definitely a, I don't want to say a boom, but there was like a decently sized subsection of anime and not not hentai but anime Mm -hmm. that was extremely horny in like a kind of a gross way Mm -hmm. um so i googled one thing i remembered watching as a child that was clearly 80s to early 90s anime or ova called doomed megalopolis I do not know if you have ever seen it. Hmm. I don't think I'm familiar with that one particularly. But to be honest, it it vaguely it it has a lot of vague similarities, I would say, to the energy of of this book. Um it's very like Japanese mythology, um demons walking the earth and a a doomsday sort of scenario mm-hmm. warring factions yada yada and there's just some horny demon you know sexual shit that happens in it um i you know you have like ninja scroll which was what like 94 95 with like there was i mean there's an, like a, a vaguely normal sex scene but there was definitely like a full-on like assault scene in that um, you know, those Vampire Hunter D books have some pretty horrid shit. Um, 
I, th- I think I've talked to you about the book for the book they based Bloodlust off of. Mm-hmm. Maybe I haven't. Um, in that, so in the in that movie, you have the Marcus brothers and sister. Um, I think in that movie that they're not actually related, or maybe Layla's not related to them. But in the book, they are all related, and in the book, they all just like constantly sexually assault her, constantly. Like that's just they hunt demons and they assault their sister. Even the one that's like bedridden. It's uh horrifying and that's just like there's just all sorts of that shit in those books like i don't know what it is japan just went through a weird phase i guess where part of their fantasy sci-fi writing and all that was just all about just the grossest horny shit i don't know Hmm. apparently nishitani did go on to write more Digital Devil mm. Story Mm-mm. mangas? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, thank you. I mean, hey. But they don't mind, seem to be they're... really affiliated at all. They're, they literally are all the same thing. It's literally all Lucifer and Cerberus and like a man and a woman that are. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait. He does have. Okay, so he does have game credits for like a bunch of other ones. Okay. But, well, no, okay. yeah, he's in Shin Megami. So he has credits for Shin Megami Tensei. Let's see. I actually didn't. I mean, they, it's not surprising if they would have brought him on board and be like, hey, we just need you to, like, curb some of the shit. I mean, he's not a director, producer, writer, artist, programmer, or composer. So I'm not sure. He's probably just, he's probably just consulted or something. But after 98, that stops. So. What what more is there left to say about the original digital double story? I don't know. I mean, we've like I said, we just have one OVA to watch. Hopefully with uh, hopefully with some friends, um, and uh, hey, then we're done hey, with uh, I, this first nightmare game. The takeaway: um, this book is bad. Yeah. I think a lot of men just should go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. We uh, I mean, just talk to each other, too. I mean, don't assault women. Don't mm-hmm. fantasize about assaulting women. Don't write stories about it. You ain't exercising any demons doing that. You ain't summoning any demons, do you? Well, you summoning a demon doing that, yeah, actually. You, that's, yeah. you gotta get right with the Lord. <laughs>